0: And we join him right now with today's message.
1: I I would like to have you take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Just hold that, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I would like to speak to you on this subject today of three reasons why I admire uh, the devil. As soon as I made the decision to preach on this subject uh, all week long, I have been attacked physically I have been attacked emotionally, and I have been attacked spiritually, and I just simply want to ask you to pray for me uh, today as I preach. I also want you to pray for yourself, uh, that, you would, that you would hear, that you would have uh, the ability to understand what is being said here today, because sometimes you're listening, but you're not really listening. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a, a president of the United States, and he did not like shaking people's hands, and he did that all the time. He felt like no one was ever listening. They were just wanting to shake his hand for the purpose of shaking his hand. So one night, he was in this event where he was in this line of people, and every hand he shook, he just said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> shook the hand. I murdered my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And no one said anything to him. Until about halfway through the line, one gentleman leaned over and said to the president, I'm sure she had it coming, sir. (laughs) So I ask you again uh, for you to pray for me and to pray for you that you would have have an ability to hear. I want to begin this message by reminding you that there really is such a thing as a devil. Second Corinthians 11, he is called the angel of light. 1 Peter 5 he's called our adversary. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 he's called the tempter. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 he's called the serpent. Revelation chapter 19 he's called the beast. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 he's the god of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 he is the prince of the power of the air. Revelation 12, 10, he's called the accuser. Revelation 12, verse 12, the Bible says that he is full of fury. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us that there's a host of demons who assist him. Now, if I had an enemy who was all those things, I would be scared silly, and I am. Satan is mentioned 18 times in the Old Testament, He's mentioned 35 times in the New Testament. He is not a myth. He is not make belief It's not a fairy tale. He's real. Now, I do want you to know that he does not have red horns and a tail and a pitchfork like Hollywood likes to depict. Billy Sunday, a great old-time evangelist, said, I know that the devil is real for two reasons. Reason number one, the Bible says there's a devil. But reason number two, I've done business with him myself. I heard about a church that uh, hired a minister, and uh, he had not been a Christian very long. He had just uh, lived a very, very rough life, foul-mouthed individual, but he met the Lord, became a believer, and then decided he wanted to be a preacher. And this church uh, took a chance on him and actually hired him. And one time he was preaching on the subject of the devil... And in, in the midst of his sermon, he asked the audience, do you want to know what I think of the devil? And of course, they said, yes. And he began to preach and he forgot who he was and where he was. And he reverted back to his old way of life. And he just started cursing. He said, I think the devil is a blankety blank, 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 blank. And all of a sudden, it dawned on him what he had said. His face turned red and he just walked off the stage. He went over and sat down and put his head in his hands. He knew that he had messed up and he knew that he was going to be fired. The elders met immediately after church and the first elder said, we have to fire him. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. The second elder said, you know, I understand that, but you know, he is a new believer. He's just a brand new Christian. And maybe those of us who've been around a little longer should be a little more understanding for someone who's just recently gotten saved. And the third elder said, I don't approve with anything he said. However, I must confess that every time I think of the devil, I have those exact same thoughts that run through my head. And those elders decided to keep that preacher as their preacher. And not only that, they gave him a raise in pay. (laughs) And so do you know what I think of the devil? The Bible says these words in Ephesians 6, put on, everybody say put on. Put on on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's what? He's got a million of them. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Job chapter 1, he afflicts the righteous. In Luke chapter 4, he claims authority over this world. 2 Corinthians 4, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, he inspires and he produces counterfeit miracles. Job chapter 1, he slanders the saints. Job chapter 2, he inflicts disease. Matthew chapter 4, he was the one that tempted the Messiah, the Christ. In Matthew chapter 13, the devil is the one that removes the good seed after it has been planted in one's heart. In Luke chapter 9, he ruins and destroys both soul and body. He's basically only had two goals from the beginning. One is to get rid of Jesus and to keep him in the grave, which was an epic failure, And so he moved on to his next goal, which is to destroy the body, your body, and your soul for all of eternity. And yet anyone here today who's put their faith in Jesus, that too will be an epic failure. Satan is extremely qualified to tempt mankind. He operates in the spirit world. He's had at least 7,000 years of experience in dealing with mere mortals and our human weaknesses. He gives temporal rewards to those who serve him. He causes chaos all over the globe. He's lost none of his powers. He is the supreme being of the evil world. He easily deceives anyone who is not firmly grounded in the word of God. And I know, I know you're not supposed to hate anybody, but I hate the devil I really do. He is the author of everything evil. He's got evil in his name if you look at the word devil. He's the inventor and creator of all things bad. He's the master of deception. He's the architect of wickedness and depravity. I blame him for the sin and immorality in our world. I blame him for the breakdown of the family unit, the home. I blame him for the divorce rate. I blame him for child abuse. I blame him for spousal abuse. I blame him for all the children who have ever been aborted around the world. I blame him for all the prejudice and racist acts that have ever occurred on the planet. I blame him for murders and theft and corruption i blame him for anything that is diabolical or perverted he is the one that actually tempted adam and eve and thus ushered sin into our world and i blame him ultimately directly or indirectly i blame him for the death of jesus christ but i'm here to tell you not only do i hate the devil i'm here to tell you that i also admire the devil you say are you serious yes you heard me right Not only do I hate the devil, but I admire the devil. You say, how in the world could anybody admire the devil? Well, for three reasons. Let me give them to you. Reason number one, I admire him because of his work ethic. (laughs) All of us have at least some secret admiration for the fellow who's a go-getter. The man or the woman who succeeds in any realm of life attracts our attention to some degree. I admire the devil because he's been so faithful to his mission and his purpose all these years. He is fixated on his mission. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone that he can want. Devour. That's how he spends his time. Did you know the average person spends one-third of their life asleep? So, if you live to be 75 years of age, that means you spend 25 years of your life in a state of unconsciousness. And, and, and that's 20, 25 years of your life is spent sleeping, and that's not counting the time slept in church. Like, like that guy right there is yawning right there. He's about... Brother, I've seen you yawn about three times already. (laughs) Sit back down there. I love you too. Did you know uh, there's an old joke that if you took all the people who ever slept in church and laid them end to end, they would sleep a lot better. (laughs) Write this down. Satan never sleeps. He never sleeps. He never rests. He never slumbers. He never takes a day off. He never calls in sick. He never takes a vacation. I can't help but admire someone with that kind of determination. He can't win, but he's, he's, he's already been defeated, but he never quits. The guy never quits. I have the highest admiration when I see an outplayed, outmanned, lopsided score in a sport, a team, no way to win yet they keep playing like they're in the national championship. I played basketball in college, and we had these cheerleaders, and they were not very smart. I'm sorry, they were just almost dumb. You say, Pastor, that's not very nice. Why would you say something like that? Well, because two of them were my sisters. That's a true story. And one time we were playing and the game was over. There's only one second left on the clock. And we were behind by 30 points. There's only one second left on the clock. The other team is shooting free throws. And our cheerleaders, led by my two sisters, broke out into this chant. Hey, 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 don't sweat. This game ain't over yet. Hey, 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 hey don't sweat this game ain't over yet try come on hey 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 hey. don't sweat this game ain't over those cheerleaders were not giving up (laughs) did you know that even God appreciates someone like that the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 you're familiar with this text I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot and God says I wish you were one or the other so because you're just kind of mm, lukewarm neither hot nor cold i'm about to spit you out of my mouth you are upsetting the stomach of god and what he said there was uh you're not you're not hot hot is a hundred mile an hour for god that's if you're hot you're on fire for god you're running a hundred mile an hour for it. if you're cold that means you're running a hundred mile an hour against god and god said because you're neither cold nor hot, you're just kind of lukewarm. What he's saying is, I would rather you be 100% against me than just kind of showing up lukewarm. Why would God rather you be cold than lukewarm? Because if you're cold, at least people know where you stand. The devil can't win, yet he keeps trying. He's already lost. But he will not give up. The final score has already been pronounced, yet he continues to enlist millions and millions of people. He has already been defeated, yet he keeps pressing forward looking for another person to devour. The guy is the craftiest cat in town. He deceives, he lies, he tempts. His favorite tool, write this down he twists all truth i want you to write down the word twist and circle the word all because he twists everything that's in scripture he twists everything god says anything that god says he tries to flip the script and he convinces us he convinces us and we get to the point where we call evil good and good evil that's all his doing Back in the very beginning of the Bible, the serpent, the Bible says, was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. And so he showed up to the woman, and he says to the woman, did God really say? He's trying to get the woman to doubt what God said. And Satan has been saying that to every person who's ever walked on this planet, whoever came across the Bible. He whispers in your ear, did God really say? And he says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat? from any tree in the garden god did not say that but he's twisting the words of god and he goes to the woman and says did god really say that you cannot eat from any tree now at first she she stood on the side of truth but she's engaged in conversation with the one who twists all truth she begins to explain to satan no god did not say that we couldn't eat from from all the trees in fact God said we could eat from all the trees except one and what God really said was not only are we not supposed to eat from the one tree he actually said that we shouldn't even touch the tree if we touch it we will die and immediately Satan he twists and says these words you will Not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He convinces Adam and Eve that the opposite of what God said is true. It's not that you'll die, he said. You will actually live if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God. He literally turned God's Word upside down and He does the same thing to you and He does the same thing to me every single day. The Bible says in John 8, 44, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in Him. That when He lies, if His lips are moving, He's lying. He speaks His native language. He is a liar, the Bible says, and the father of all lies, and we are so gullible. He tells us that repentance is an outdated thing. He says that you don't really have to go to church. He tells us that baptism is not that important. He tries to convince us that the Bible is just a man-made book. He has convinced the world that abortion is a choice. He's convinced us that it's okay to live with somebody before you're married to that person. He's told us that a little bit of lust never hurt anybody. That as long as you're happy, and as long as you don't hurt anyone, do whatever pleases you. He tells us that it's okay to tell a lie. Everybody lies. It's not that big of a deal. He has convinced some of you that the Bible is wrong, and that your guilty pleasures are acceptable and actually encouraged. And just the opposite of that is true. Your guilty pleasures are wrong, and God's word is true. He tells us that the prayer is foolish. He tells us that there are many ways to get to heaven. He's actually convinced some of us that there is no place as hell, that hell doesn't exist he's convinced some of us it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincere that's all that matters now anyone who can get so many people people who claim to be intelligent to believe so many lies demands my admiration he is the world's greatest salesman second reason i admire him is he's no respecter of persons man he's not prejudiced at all i like people who are not prejudiced don't you people who are prejudiced get under my skin amen literally think about that second peter chapter three verse nine now this is what the bible says he god everybody say god and this is the truth god is patient with you how many of you glad god is patient oh you better raise your hand god could turn you into a french fry just like that God is patient with you. Now, here's what God, here's, here's God. God doesn't want anyone to what? He doesn't, God doesn't want any of you to go to hell. According to 2 Peter 3, 9, God wants everyone to come to repentance and to be baptized. That's what God wants. Satan wants just the opposite i want you to write this down satan doesn't want anyone to repent but he wants every single person in this room to perish and he doesn't care who you are he's not prejudiced. if you rich poor educated uneducated man woman black white famous unknown tall short he wants all to perish He doesn't even care if you're in the church or out of the church. He doesn't care if you're in the Word or out of the Word, if you believe in God or if you don't believe in God. He doesn't care. He's out to get each and every one of us. And He will lie to you. He will deceive you. He will tempt you. He will distract you. Anything to get you off the right path. He loves to divide us. Write that down. You know Jesus was the one not not Abraham Lincoln it was Jesus in Mark 3 verse 25 that said if a house is divided that that house cannot stand So Satan comes into the church and he tries to divide us and he gets us talking bad behind each other's back John 10:10 10, 10 says that he came to kill still and to destroy and one of the things that Satan loves to destroy is the church And He will get us to backbite and backstab and gossip and we start criticizing each other and we criticize the worship team and we start criticizing the pastor. (laughs) Some of us go home after church and have roast preacher. (laughs) Because He knows that together we will stand, but divided we fall, so He gets us divided.
0: Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day. And the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled. The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.